authors, editors, publishers, book cover designers, agents, critics, readers. A whole lot of professionals come together for a book. We are going to explore the world of books in our unique podcast show called Book Lounge. Book Lounge is brought to you by iCafe Podcasts, born with a collaboration between Tell Me Your Story and Zero Hour Entertainment. I am your host, Koral Dasgupta, all set to ask some interesting, straightforward and fun questions to our guests. Today, I'm sitting with Shelly Chopra. Shelly is a known name. She is a very renowned journalist. She is a very renowned author. And she has started She the People, which has been standing by uh, women authors, which has been talking about a lot of women professionals and taking up the causes of women from all different angles possible. Shelly, I am very pleased to be talking to you this morning. Welcome to Book Lounge. Thank you very much, Coral. It's a pleasure being with you. Thank you so much. Shelly, the first thing that always crosses my mind when I see journalists turned authors is that, you know, journalism exposes you to so many truths of society and uh, you would perhaps have a mountain of content to write about and make a library of books. So how did you choose your specific titles and uh, why are they so special? So for me... um, you know, I've, I've been an accidental author. I have spent so much time storytelling uh, that uh, one day I said, you know, these are just amazing stories to not be repeated over and over again. And they could be of great use to a reader, whether it's business or otherwise. So I actually started out with uh, compiling a lot of my interviews into a book, which is truly very unique because it's a book about you know golfers and their business Mm -hmm. and uh, it was a television show as a journalist that I became really famous for so Mm -hmm. I realized that you know sport like many other things in life brings out the best in people's character so Mm -hmm. why not this uh, conversation that I have with people on the golf course into a book Mm -hmm. and uh, so you know that became one of my uh, first books uh, ever to Mm -hmm. come out Uh, and this was uh, very very nuanced because it was talking about different aspects of uh, you know a young leader's life and what challenges they face Mm -hmm. so that's really where I caught the bug to write Um, I hadn't been an author before that. And of course, uh, you know, being an author was a tag that I wanted to have all my life, but I never thought that I would drift in that direction because, you know, you are sometimes not wired to think like an author. Mm -hmm. And um, I was an accidental author. So I started out with something uh, that I was already doing, but I then uh, went on to pick up some of the stories that I'd been hearing uh, to create, uh, you know, titles that... uh, were in one way groundbreaking in their own uh, spaces. So, for example, I cre- uh, I, I did the book called Big Connect, mm-hmm. in the Times of Social Media. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was published by Random House. And this book has been a very powerful reference to the rise of social media in Indian politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out before the Modi election uh, mm-hmm. of 2014, mm-hmm. when India was going through a shift in politics. Mm-hmm. Then I came out with called When I Was 25, uh, which was not about my journey uh, in my 20s, but the journeys of, uh, you know, 13 leaders from different backgrounds mm. talking about their 20s. Mm. You know, what bets, what punts, what, uh, what bets they took in their 20s to become who they were uh, mm. later in life. You know, whether it was Shashi Tharoor or Chidamram or uh, it was uh, Dimple Kapadia uh, or Sandeep Khosla, the designer. You know, Mm -hmm. all of these. So really fascinating uh, stories emerged from this. 
you know, those are a couple of the titles. And then, of course, there's feminism. Mm-hmm. Just yesterday, um, Deepa Malik, the Paralympian, uh, you know, put out a huge post on uh, this book called Feminist Rani, which is really a book of uh, normalizing the conversations on feminism in India. Mm-hmm. And I think in many ways it has a it has a lovely contemporary feel to it mm-hmm. because it wants people to pick it up mm-hmm. and not fear the idea of feminism, which has been an overhang in the past for yeah. us. Yeah. So these are some of the titles. I also did a few custom publishing books, which were largely coffee tables mm-hmm. uh, on sport. Uh, but, you know, those are not commercially available. So I don't want to talk about those. What was the name of the first book, the one that you said about golf uh, golfers? Because I was just looking out on Amazon to find out your first book. I couldn't find that. It's called Birdies in Business. Okay. So uh, coming to the next question, Shelley. I know that, uh, I mean, even when I was just uh, noting down the questions that I have for you, I really could figure out that a lot about you and your personality is about leadership. Because your books are about that. The work that you are doing in Cheetah People is about women and the kind of leaderships that they can do uh, in that space, whichever uh, socioeconomic space they come from. So in your own headspace, how do you define leadership? So I think for me, uh, leadership has been a very evolving concept. I don't believe in a specific format of leadership because I think, you know, that very famous uh, observation that when you think of a leader, Mm. You think of a man in a black suit. Uh, mm. I think for me, the entire effort has been to find leadership as an ever-evolving concept where people display certain characteristics that mm. inspire you or drive you to seek some change about yourself. And mm. I think for me, it was also a great deal as a woman to mm. see how traits and efforts around me that that talked about making your choices independently, right? Mm. So I think uh, leadership became an overarching theme of my writing, whether mm. it was in feminism or through uh, CEOs, largely because I spent majority of my time finding leaders, finding stories of people uh, mm. and what they set out to do in successes and in struggles. So for me, I think the idea of leadership is something that is... Um, a fluid concept uh, that often comes up to a person to make them want to do something to change their life or change that moment in life. Mm, super. So uh, when you were growing up, Shelley, I'm sure that uh, your childhood has a lot of books uh, during that grown-up period, which you must have grown up reading. So if I have to ask you that who is your favorite woman, woman leader from the books that you have read, Uh, who would you choose and why? I mean, she could be from a biography, from a mythology, from fiction, anything. So I think there are uh, different people who have inspired me at different ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, I must admit, I was a late reader. Okay. Uh, you know, like in the 80s, uh, when I was born, reading was something that wasn't sort of so widespread. And most importantly, certainly in my own household, we were a business family. My father was the only outlier. He went and joined the armed forces. Mm-hmm. And so he most of his um, studying really was on technical stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he read a lot, 
but he was always inclined towards military reading so you know one of the earlier books that i probably read was the day of the jackal or the fist of god you know these really heavy books lying in my house and i'm wondering okay this is how i start reading you know in mm-hmm. hindsight i was like i read a lot of stuff at the start which was not something that would normally attract a reader or make them want to read more you know mm-hmm. um so some of these books lay around um as as i saw my father find time to read himself i i did see the presence of more books but like i said that the access to read books and mm-hmm. the variety of what we could read was hugely limited you mm-hmm. know um uh whatever i possibly read at that point was shakespeare uh mm-hmm. because it was part of the curriculum or supplementary reading uh mm-hmm. in class 7 onwards uh i did start going to a library but again in school libraries we were predominantly into series books right so you have the famous five and the nancy drews or you would have the large encyclopedias so i always uh, you know uh, credit my reading really to the period that i uh, went beyond uh, class 10 mm-hmm. because after that i had uh, both access because i moved to delhi uh, to public libraries but most importantly i uh, i started taking a keen interest on in finding people who had books to lend or finding uh, conversations with people who were uh, very well uh, read uh, in 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 a book sort of sense um in terms of the people who had an impact on me so you know uh, i think i read a, a great deal of work by nantara segal when i started reading out so that was really lovely for me uh i did read a great of uh, a great deal of amitav ghosh uh mm-hmm. but i have to say i paused at sea of poppies and i haven't picked up anything after that so until then i was doing a lot of amitav ghosh you know it really helped to be in a uh, college and in hostel with friends who were predominantly in english honors and were just pakaud reading their books because they had to read them over and over again so i used to just borrow all these english honors uh, novels to read and you know spend most of my time in um, hostel life which is a large part of my life mm. to to read these books i read a lot of poetry and i also i mean traditional english uh, classical poems and i think from a more recent point of view i read a lo- I, i always liked arundhati roy Mm-hmm. uh i wasn't a big fan of the new book but uh, yes god of small things had a huge impact on what i enjoyed reading the mm-hmm. writing style of arundhati roy and her 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 book itself was fairly powerful um no doubt like a young activist journalist to be i read and reread salman rushdie Mm-hmm. at times uh, not seeing the politics of his writing and then reading it again to see the politics of his writing so per se as you can see in my reading no single woman stood out but of late in the last two or three years of my reading mm-hmm. i have come to um i you know i have come to love the work that anita anand does mm-hmm. her book sofia has had a huge impact in my um, reading and relishing uh, works of women in history mm-hmm. because that book uh, is set in kapurthala in yeah. part which is where i come from and i have a somewhat sense of identity with uh, you know the politics and the history of the maharaja there then i've come to really love the work of ira mukhoti so essentially i've re- realized that my interest in women focused stuff has a lot to do with historic women who never got written about 
Mm-hmm. I think that's the genre that's I've come to embrace in a big way. Uh, it it does oscillate between historical figures per se, right? Uh, like I'm, I read a book. Uh, I'm actually still to complete it uh, on the Mongol queens and how. Genghis Khan's entire story of success actually depended on these large number of his female relationships that propped mm-hmm. him up to be who he was. Uh, or, um, uh, you know, I can go on and on, actually. But uh, yeah, so th- these are some of the really good, powerful pieces. I also am reading this lovely book by Carolyn Perez, which is called Invisible Women. And the book is very squarely set on data and how we miss women out of all documentation. It sounds like a research paper that would bore people. Actually, it is the most fantastically written book that you can devour as much as you devour fiction. So yeah, so I think that's really been um, a recent phenomenon for me to read so much about women uh, or aspects that impact women. To be honest, it's also because recently more has come available. You know, I mean, I think we should not kid ourselves that for a very long time, we had very little to read about women of history. So uh, what I hear from you, I happen to just get this impression that you are not very um, focused on either fiction or nonfiction. You go by uh, what is it on offer? Is that right? Yeah, so I think I go by um, different things at different points of time because I'm a very, uh, I'm a moody reader. Okay. I uh, I read a lot, but I need to read something that suits my mood of the hour. Uh, and it's circumstantial to my presence of mind. It's circumstantial to how much workload I have. It's circumstantial to how I'm feeling in that part of my, uh, you know, day. So it's all of that. I, I find this really amusing, but I think readers probably relate to this. If it's a bright, sunny day, I would probably pick a totally different book. And if it's a if it's a day that makes me feel like cuddling up with a coffee, I would probably pick up a different book. So I've read off late a bunch of fiction books. So Sally Rooney's both books for our conversation with friends and normal people. I loved it. I I partly enjoyed Home Fire um, by uh, Shamsi. Uh, mm-hmm. I wasn't greatly impressed with the end, but I think the, the book ran well. Uh, I uh, I also read unmarriageable by Sonia Kamal. It's a very unlike book for me to pick, Uh, but I enjoyed it. It was pacey. It was, you know, it was sort of juicy at some level, like a modern day Pride and Prejudice, which it claims to be. I read um, The Shergill Sisters as as well. So I think I've read a bunch of fiction uh, pieces. Uh, you know, but it it ha- I wouldn't say it's been necessarily to enrich myself with something if it did so in by chance. Yeah. But predominantly, I've been a nonfiction reader. I mean, actually, I'm sitting in a room where I can see my entire list of book spines <laughs> and you you'd find an Andrew Ross Sorkin, you know, economy, politics. You'd find, a, like I said, uh, you know, you'd find a Steve Cole, which talks about uh, George Bush's relationship with the Saudis and the oil, uh, you know, sort of uh, Mm. monopoly so I would probably end up reading these kind of books a lot more uh, Mm. you know uh, because I just find them very relevant to my environment right Mm. true so how do you pick up your books books are they based on reviews or you love to go to a bookstore and you know touch and feel and you know kind of scroll through for a few pages or you just go to Amazon uh, read out the blurb or you have references how do you do that? It's a great question. I go to a bookstore. 
and I like what I like and I what I see and I get it. I have bought so many books that I've never heard of before. <laughs> uh, I've found them in a bookstore uh, while actually just doing completely inane things or picking up children books and my eye fell on some book spine that just seemed like a subject that would interest me. So I never really have spent much time on Amazon. I rarely read reviews. I sometimes am very um, upset with weekend editions to have such rich, detailed reviews of books that it kills your desire to buy the book. Okay, <laughs> It's that classic, you know, sort of dichotomy of your own mind. If I read the review, will I watch the film or read the book? You know, I, I just do not read any book reviews. Um, I might do that on a rare occasion for the New York Times book review because it just seems like it's a it's a list of books or almost like a bookstore by itself and you're making a choice. But like, yeah, but most of the newspapers here in India, I uh, just never read the book reviews. I'm always curious about books based on people I know. Uh, and what they're reading. Uh, I, of course, uh, as you know, She the People has a very busy book club now with 4,000 plus members. So I, I do get some records there because I find like, unlike most of the reviews, these book clubs are not that much of detail that kills your desire to read, mm. you know? And I think there is a lot uh, in there. Plus, I think a lot of people are beginning to talk about specific genres of books. Like, for example, a person like me doesn't read any horror or um, uh, doesn't read any... Uh, erotica just out of not having the interest to read that in fiction form mm. uh, but I do read a lot of uh, you know uh, modern society history you know stuff like that so I think it, it kind of brings out uh, the most uh, interest in me uh, sometimes I also give a, go by the recommendation of the bookstore uh, assistant I think these guys know very well what's going on in the, uh, you know, in, in terms of the interests that are emerging in the books. And if I'm going back to the same store, they mm. already know me. So I uh, find that there is a little bit of a rapport built up and this person knows the kind of stuff I'm liking and, you know, stuff like that. That's a, that's a very personal connection, connection, which you really, really enjoy. It's uh, losing out. But if you manage to have that, strike that with someone, there's nothing like it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think I really do value that. You know, I um, I um, I recently picked up um, a book, uh, which I wouldn't say recently, maybe about a few years ago. It's called Curry. Okay, mm -hmm. the book is called Curry. It's by Lizzie Collingham. Uh, it's probably done quite well for itself, published by Vintage. It's a book about food. Mm -hmm. And it just sort of tra translates the journey of a lot of food that came into India through uh, a story around the period that it came into India. So again, you know, as a foodie, that really works for me uh, to look at books like these and stuff like that. So fun, fun books. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Shelly, I have been talking to a lot of people and what I hear, there are, you know, two different schools of thought when it comes to women's writing or women's characters that I hear. Different people, different opinions. One school says that in contemporary storytelling or story writing, uh, women characters are emerging stronger. And there is again another school of thought which says that uh, there's too much noise of feminism there which kills the purpose of a story and a book. But the, And in spite of that, the cart doesn't move anywhere. The uh, status of women aren't changing. They aren't improving. What's your take on that? So you mean like um, despite 
the books coming out when not having enough uh, to talk no, about i'm talking about the construct of the books say for example i write a book where uh, uh, where the female characters are very strong and i'm trying to talk about those strong women characters and that is my vision with the book and there's another person who writes who try who is trying to make a lot of noise of feminism through her writing but then that noise isn't attributing or isn't uh, kind of um, pushing the cart anywhere that noise is just making the noise how do you see contemporary stories story story writing storytellers in that space so i think people are making a lot of effort to experiment and push the boundaries today uh we've not had this in the past before and i think we've uh, lost a great deal out in that period where very little was done to raise questions or go and research work that needs to be put out and that needs to be well documented and most importantly that should be part of our history and books you know it's um, it's a question i asked a publisher because mm-hmm. since i'm an unlikely author i sometimes ask really uncomfortable questions to these publishers because my life doesn't depend on let's say getting a book contract right and yeah. i i told them that that i said look you know i don't understand what comes first you are looking for subjects that can be marketed well that the whole world will be interested in interested in or are you trying to raise uh, you know is content raise questions create uh, create storytelling of issues that we all must know of but have had zero access to and i think um, there has been the rise of the boutique story uh, publishers mm. boutique book publishers mm. as well to to counter that narrative now amidst all of this 5 years ago when the country started talking about the need for us to actually maybe 2012 when the nirbhaya rape case happened but a lot more sort of took some time to flow into various other sectors mm-hmm. we finally started raising the question where is our female uh, driven history mm-hmm. where is the content about all our uh, you know freedom fighters beyond four of them that we know the same sarojini naidu the same uh, radhi lakshmi bai and so on i said but where are the rest right mm-hmm. and now what's happening is because we are all reading uh, and discussing more through digital avenues we are mm. also pushing each other to ask questions uh, and asking questions of each other as well so when people read a great book i just feel so delighted that they share it on social media mm. uh, by saying that this is a book that actually brings out an aspect never written before like you know the other day we were looking at a book about on razia sultana and i was thinking that if if somebody like razia sultan has been documented as a complete hero mm-hmm. of her times you know mm-hmm. we've always looked at her as somebody sister or wife absolutely like, you know we've never gone beyond that and i find that that's the most interesting thing i was talking to you about a book about the mongol queens mm. i mean i never knew genghis khan would have such an army of women mm. bringing him propping him up his sisters his many wives his aunts that gave him the opportunity to become the genghis khan and uh, it it tells you that there is such a dearth such a paucity of uh, writing yet about these important aspects um we we write at the moment uh, a lot about rebel girls globally it's been a movement in india we've seen a bunch of books around that i still feel we're writing about the same 45 rebel girls now you know like 10 years ago i would say we were writing about the same 10 bankers on the top of every magazine today i say the same thing i say that you know we are writing about the same 
uh, 40 rebel girls because we don't want this to go beyond the icons. Mm. If you look at everyday people, they have so many amazing stories to say, which is a great reference point to see what's happening in the small screen stuff. If you Mm. see the web series, they're picking up the most nuanced basic story of a neighborhood uh, girl or a neighborhood uh, sort of struggle of a person in in uh, deep up okay mm. and i as a person watching it I'm, i can't believe how how rich that heritage is of keeping alive those those relationships those voices those those accents those dialects those people um so i think you know that kind of a movement has slowly but surely begun even in the book side of things i do hope that that continues and uh, for me personally i'd like to champion more and more work that is by women, about women, so that we can have more of their stories out there to to document mm. for our future generations. Absolutely. Uh, Shelley, what you said, you know, raises a very, very interesting question, which uh, we have also been discussing at our homes, at our uh, gatherings, which is that the history that we read in schools are largely about uh, male heroes and other than just as you say, rather than Lakshmi Bai, we hardly have read any of the female heroes. Today's date, uh, what do you think we can do? I, you, and everybody within their limited capacities, whatever it is, what should do you think we should be doing to push that and uh, ensure that right at the child stage, at the school stage, when impressions are getting built in a child's mind? they also get a fair share of the women's stories, women's narratives, women's heroism. You know, I think um, people like you and I are already doing that. Uh, You've been telling stories uh, through your blog and your podcast now. Uh, We've been doing this with She the People. We've done two lakh stories of women, Mm -hmm. uh, of which probably just half a percent are the traditional achievers and icons. You know, um, even as I talk to you, a bunch of stories that I've lined up for the day are about how single women are making a survival Mm. against all odds, right? Mm. Or how uh, we have 13 million single women in this country. Um, Mm. What are we doing about telling their stories and not just telling their stories as bicharis, the fact that they celebrate their singlehood, right? Uh, Or you pick up any other issue. You pick up... uh, uh, a young woman like Duti Jand, who's come out and spoken out about her same-sex relationship. Mm. And there are gazillion such stories, right? Uh, there is a neighborhood story of everyday feminism, everyday struggle. Uh, there are women who are getting affected by changes in business, changes in digital, access to digital, and so on and so forth. I see the importance of telling stories being one, but also our ability to tell their stories has got a tremendous opportunity to leverage uh, Mm -hmm. new forms of storytelling. You can do poetry, you can do short short fiction, micro fiction, mini stories. You can do podcasts, you can tell uh, stories through the OTT platforms. You know, this didn't exist five years ago. I mean, it's as recent as that, that we've seen such a surge in all of this. So why is it that we are not able to uh, go out there? I always say it's about willpower. The television has existed for what, whatever, six, five decades approximately, or maybe a little less. But the point is, why did television not tell the stories of women, right? Mm. Because somewhere they did not want to. Second, they never went to fetch them, right? Mm. Third, they didn't hire people who wanted to change the narrative. 
Hmm. So I think um, there is a mixture of all of these things that is beginning to change ground up and top down. And that's what makes this opportunity so powerful that we are going to go beyond just being those who are told what needs to be watched to mm-hmm. those who are going to democratically choose what they want to watch or mm-hmm. what they want to seek, right? Mm-hmm. And these days, the world is validating very quickly. I think the largest fear for any author or any uh, actor mm-hmm. uh, is that they can very quickly get an outcome of their work as mm-hmm. feedback. So I think somewhere a lot of those drops in the social internet ocean are actually going there to change the narrative and push people to do something different. I mean, a person like Ekta Kapoor has spent most of her business growth uh, by feeding the same stereotype to Mm. women day in and day out. And for whatever it's worth, she's also gone to experiment a lot of that with her new platforms where she sees that audiences are lapping up change Mm. so i think there is um there is a thought process there that we all need to demand more watch less of the shit and stereotype Mm. watch more of what makes you feel i'm out there Mm. and i think that's the biggest signal to the trp watchers or whatever else is they measure these days because the minute they know that this isn't being watched or this is being squashed it's for that reason right true that so, uh, do you think, Shelley, that there is a disparity in terms of gender statistics when it comes to lesser women in in any kind of book business, be it book deals, be it book sales, be it book publicity, or be it book awards? And if you feel that there is a disparity, how are you trying to, you know, uh, even that disparity through Sheeta people? So I'm going to actually um, do a bit of a disclaimer by telling you what we do with authors on She the People. Uh, One is that we've created a space for short fiction writing. Mm. Uh, Two, we have offered a space for them to share why they write and what they write. Mm. Three, we we have nearly 20% of our content written by outside authors, guests, uh, writers, contributors who mm-hmm. share why um, share their stories, their journeys as authors, their challenges as authors, and they also share their best practices if they've been successful for others to learn from. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, as as a digital publishing uh, media space, mm-hmm. uh, we can offer spaces for long reads that go up to about thirty five hundred words, mm-hmm. uh, and for microfiction right? Uh, as many stories go on sheet people. But I think from the point of view that um, many authors still seek the charm of the book and look at 40, 50, 60,000 words sort of uh, manuscripts. Mm-hmm. I think that's a space that she, the people is not going to step into. Uh, it's for publishing uh, houses to carry ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there is definitely a great deal of argument uh, and I don't think we yet have enough India-specific uh, data, though it would uh, be an idea for even us to pursue to do this survey. Uh, but I think globally, there is a lot of data that has uh, shown that not only is there a gap in publishing uh, more female-centered authors, there has been a gap on uh, 
even seeking those manuscripts and uh, then accepting them. Uh, And this has been across uh, fiction, nonfiction writers and academia as well. So I think uh, there is a gap in that, which is why when uh, when we launched the Women Writers Festival, Mm. which is now done what close to 25 editions across the country, we were um, we were sort of laden with a bit of criticism of why women needed their own festival. And mm-hmm. I will be honest to say that it made me think very hard when I got this criticism that why did we need another women writers or uh, not another women writers, like a, another festival, but mm-hmm. one that focused only on women writers. Mm-hmm. And I am very proud to say that five years down that festival starting, uh, I feel extremely positive about the fact that we created it because I feel that it brought about and not just an element of uh, writing to the forefront, but it also brought out a platform for women that was completely absent, right? Because this logic that writing is gender agnostic is completely um, based on history, which is forgotten to care for women uh, writing or their contribution to the space of literature or even nonfiction. I think uh, often enough they have dismissed the notion of what women write as chiclet. And I would like to say that I said this, though this is what I would not ever refer to it because I feel that chiclet has its own space mm-hmm. uh, and that women writing has its own space. Uh, and that to insinuate that women writers are sentimental. Uh, and male writers can do better crime. Uh, you know, these are issues that have emerged through and through. Uh, we've had um, Booker Prize question marks uh, on uh, whether or not it's been gender fair. And I think most people in their right mind would say that it's been gender biased because they've had very few Booker uh, winners as women. And that's not to say they didn't try good enough. Mm. Whether it's anthologies, panels, awards, etc., uh, I noticed that there is a, a Women Writers Award even overseas. Mm. Just as she, the people, has launched its own, there's one overseas uh, in UK. Uh, we again see that Sahitya Academy Awards in India have been gender skewed. Uh, they have been uh, well documented by uh, very many uh, research reports to say that we've just had a drop in awards being given to writers. So I think. Women needed a space to be accepted, celebrated in solidarity. And we really needed the Women Writers Fest to create a safe space where women had the platform Mm. to talk about the books they write, why they write, how they write. And they didn't have to shout out to raise their hand in a regular literature fest where they were just part of the women's panel. I think, uh, Shelley, in addition to what you just said, what She the People has also managed to do is they have... uh, dismissed the hierarchy of uh, writers in terms of publicity and in terms of uh, the marketing of a particular book. Because I have seen that you have invited writers in the speaking forum, you have invited writers who have just debuted and you have also invited writers who are extremely successful. So this dismissal of hierarchy actually adds to a lot of learning for which I would definitely, definitely uh, thank you for creating that platform. And I personally enjoy that particular platform extremely. Thank you. Shelly, the last question, it's a little odd question, but I'll ask you still. As an author, I have heard jokes, quote unquote jokes, like uh, 
people have asked me as a joke whether my writer husband ghost writes or publicizes my books or things like uh, my photograph on my books is the best sales tool what are your experiences and responses with such jokes or such jokers it's a great question um you know if i were jk rowling i might have been able to say the same right what you said uh because she had to kind of keep a neutral name for herself to go out there to find her market this was true with the bronte sisters as well uh i read a book very often to my son i don't know how but he's taken an affinity to this book uh and he just can't get his head around why the bronte sisters had to have their name as male names when they went out to the publishing world um also i think the general impression uh when it comes to writing or any other field one of the one of the big battles that women are trying to fight mm-hmm. is precisely this of not just the bias at the point of um that moment but the the overhang bias that just comes with the expectations that this person is not as capable as writing or that this person probably took her male husbands help um you were talking about being a you know an author and having such questions i have had this challenge as a media person i am married to another journalist who's um as good if not uh, maybe even better than me but i've always been asked so your husband might have helped you get this story you know and it was only after i started getting very prestigious awards independently Mm-hmm. uh that people started finally cutting down on that uh language at least in my face i don't know if they'd still say it behind my back so i think that this is something that has just stuck around but after a point i have forgotten about these people because i've realized that if i know where this work got done and i'm getting independent recognition for it i couldn't be bothered just like i listening to you coral have just figured that you apparently have a husband who also writes <laughs> so i don't know about that at all the only author i know about is coral das gupta and i have never bothered to know whether she has a husband who writes or doesn't write so i'm just trying to tell you that this is something that women are just stuck with until enough and many men go through these cycles you know it's a bit like my husband or any many uh, any hands on dad being told oh they're babysitting and i have to often remind them they're being fathers and parenting their own kids yeah you know? exactly so this is uh this isn't a problem of publishing it isn't a problem of writers Absolutely. it's a it's overall problem that we've just got to find ways to uh to break uh because no matter what we do there are so many people so many things so many books so much literature so much information around us that is constantly building up to expand the stereotypes that exist in our society uh and we can keep trying to break them but it's not easy that's why i feel that when people say things like oh you're another feminist platform or you're another women's group i just want to remind them we need so many so many that exist and so many more to actually still break the notion of what people have uh you know i i, I mean and i can start you know a, a lecture on this subject to be honest <laughs> because we are facing this when we talk money we're facing this when we talk books we're facing this when we talk parenting it's 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 a whole world out there very true 
Shelly, thank you so much for joining me today and I had a fabulous, fabulous discussion with you. I enjoyed this session like anything. Thank you so much, Koral. It's been fantastic being on your show and thank you for having me. Totally my pleasure. Thank you audience for listening to our show Book Lounge brought to you by iCafe Podcast. Please do reach out to us with your thoughts and suggestions on hello at iCafePodcasts.com. Subscribe to www.icafepodcasts.com and you can also hear us on other audio apps. Stay tuned with us for Book Lounge. iCafe is brewing.